Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to uh, AusBiz, Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company. Just gone midday Eastern Standard Time and that of course is time for the call. Two experts analysing 10 stocks that you've suggested all in the next hour or so and it's terrific to uh, have our favourite Queenslander Andrew Whelan from DP Wealth Partners joining us from Toowoomba. Andrew, how are you sir? Koshi, great, uh, great to be here and great uh, hearing about how Port Adelaide's going and, of course, the mighty uh, Roosters as well. We were just covering that before, so it's all happening. Speaking speak of the Roosters, what better introduction. James Rosenberg from Bay News is with us. James, uh, your, Easter, uh, your Roosters are going pretty well. Not too bad, not as well as your uh, Port Adelaide, but we're getting a few good players back, so uh, timing Excellent. our run as we have the last two years. Excellent. All of that... In the middle of earnings season, um, how are you seeing it, James? Any I surprises? Said, I said to you some time ago that I thought the market would be really um, resilient and forgiving during earnings season. I think we've seen that. The market's really taken a mature approach yeah. to some pretty miserable earnings, um, looking across what's incredibly difficult times to, uh, to a turnaround when it happens. Any surprises? I think the big surprise is the strength of the retail sector uh, completely goes against all of the consumer confidence yep. data that you see. Um, clearly a lot of support from uh, JobKeeper and uh, JobSeeker and a lot of retailers have had rental relief, but that sector's to mm-hmm. me been the standout uh, surprise on the upside. Yeah. Andrew, how are you seeing earnings season? Uh, what have been highlights or, or, or lowlights for you? Yeah, I think James has summed it up really well. And in particular, if you follow, continuing on that retail theme, you've got the landlords and they're under uh, immense pressure at the moment. Uh, And, you know, we're now seeing quite a a meaningful spat between uh, Westfield and Mosaic, as an example. Uh, Obviously, the banks, and you might remember we spoke a couple of weeks ago, I was sort of looking at CBA saying they'd be a bit of a bellwether relating to the other banks. And you know, that CBA result, I think, gave ANZ a little bit of comfort that they were able to pay a, a little bit of a dividend. So certainly that CBA result was pretty good too. Uh, but on with James, retail uh, has been amazing. And, but again, it, it's probably testament to the government's program around trying to get money into people's hands and trying to get that consumption piece going, not only yeah. just from a consumer confidence point of view, but also from an inflation point of view, you know, yep. because we need inflation. Yep, absolutely. I love the way... How you're calling it a spat between retailers and shopping centre owners? There's going to be one hell of a war developing there. Um, Westfield have gone mosaic first of all, when they start setting their sights on premier investments and some of the um, the billionaires. That's going to be very feisty, don't you reckon, Andrew? Oh, I'm just looking around for some popcorn, um, yeah. you know, because watching. Solomon Liu and uh, and Centre go for it is going to be an absolute cracker. 
Yep, and it's coming, let me tell you. All right, before we get into your 10 stocks that you've suggested us to take a look at, let's have a look at a stock of the day, something that, that I think has been pretty topical. And of course, the hot part of the market is buy now, pay later. Uh, after pay has been the absolute darling, heading towards 100 bucks a share. How extraordinary is that? They reported this morning uh, total group income uh, coming in 97% higher at $519 million. EBITDA up 73%. Underlying sales up 112%. Uh, to well over $11 billion on the back of a 72% jump in active merchants to uh, service the nearly 10 million active afterpay customers. Now easily twice as many as this time yesterday. From a top 300 company in terms of market cap to a top 50, uh, it's been an extraordinarily rapid rise in uh, and share price up over a thousand percent in the last 12 months. Um, Andrew, what you, what did you think of the result? Does it justify the afterpay share price? Uh, thank you for the for the rider at the second part of that question. I thought the first part of the question was pretty easy uh, because they'd actually pre-announced most of it, so you know the market wasn't really surprised as to what was coming. Uh, I guess it's really sort of delving into the result. If you have a look at it, the one of the key takeaways I took was that. They have so many repeat transactions taking place, like 98% of their existing client base is a repeat customer. I mean, that's an amazing, I mean, imagine if you owned a business where you just had 98% of your customers that were constantly buying from you. That's even before you start getting any organic growth coming through. Uh, yeah, up to 25 times a year people are using it. So it's great. And the other thing Koshi I took away from it was the fact that very early in the piece, they had a lot of grief around the late fees and that, you know, there was a feeling that the late fees was really sort of um, bolstering their bottom line. Yeah. Late fees have gone from 30% of revenue down now down to 14%. So if people, if there is a bit of a concern around this buy now, pay later sector, that people are going to go bad and that's really propping up the result, this afterpay result does not show that. So certainly it is nosebleed territory, but equally so you are seeing strong growth. They're reinvesting for extra growth uh, now into the UK, now into the US, Canada, Singapore, etc. Uh, I'd look, prefer to buy it on a bad day, but the problem is there doesn't seem to be too many of them. So yeah, yeah I, I thought the result was a goodie. Okay, $9 in March, $90 in August. Would you buy at $90, Andrew? Uh, look, and you're talking to someone that sold them a bit earlier. I got on to them very early. I paid four bucks for them. So I was feeling pretty happy with myself at 30. Uh, but, you know, I'm feeling like a bit of a schmuck now at 90. I'd certainly like to see some meaningful pullback in them. But, right. yeah, I probably would struggle at 90. Okay. James, what do you think? You, you, you haven't been a great fan of buy now, pay later. Well, I'm not a fan of the concept. It's yep. basically just modern lay-by. Yep. Um, and with... It's really but, simple, isn't it? it? Oh, it's really simple, simple and it's easy yeah. to use and people who use it absolutely love it. Yeah. There's huge tailwinds globally, um, the move away from, from cash transactions into electronic transactions. That's all fantastic. Subscriber bases growing, as Andrew pointed out, significant yep. repeat customers. Um, the issue that I have, well, I've got a lot of issues. Number one is when you, when you look at it, cash flows robust, tick. Durable, probably. Competitive moat, can't see one. First mover advantage, outside of that, can't see one. Yep. At the stroke of a government pen, this business is 
kaput. Mm-hmm. And yet it's got a market cap of, what, $26, 27000000000 billion. Yep. Just Top to put that company. into perspective, it is a bigger market cap than Woodside, than Brambles, than ASX. It's twice as big as Cochlear. It's the same size as Coles. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get it. I, I, if you want to be in that payment sector with a company with proven earnings growth, necessary business, far, far sticky uh, customers with, with global uh, reach, I'd, I'd be looking at an integrated research. Right. Uh, reported last week, yep. earnings are up 10 or 11%. Um, as they have been year out, year in, year out for 20 years, almost without a blip. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, government regulation can change with uh, the likes of the afterpays and the sizzles and all the other Well, that, that, other that was threatened companies. about two years ago, was it, with the Senate inquiry into uh, whether they should be classed as financial institutions and come under the Credit Act. Well, nothing happened. We've got the second highest household debt to GDP on the planet. Yeah. Um, so far, I know economic times are difficult, but so far we've avoided the real nasties that we've seen in a lot of the world. Yeah. Uh, but it could happen, and if it does happen, and uh, and we start seeing start seeing a lot of stress on consumers who've been propped up by government largesse, um, you know, then there will be a significant call for regulation in this sector. I really admire what they've done. You, right. know, you can't not admire what no, they've done. No, exactly. But um, it's just way too risky for me. Okay. You get, right. you know, one change of legislation, ba-bom. Yep, absolutely. All right. Okay, let's get on to the uh, stocks that you've suggested. The first one, James, from Catherine Appen, which is the, uh, the AI, artificial intelligence tech business, um, did report this morning as well by coincidence, Catherine. So... Um, underlying EBITDA up 6%. They maintained its guidance for the full year. Company's revenue rose 25%, net profit rising uh, 20%, but the share price down 13% this morning. Um, James, what do you think of Abapin? I think it's a wonderful company. Again, yeah. it's got a global reach. It's a market leader. It's got a global reach, huge tailwinds behind them, multi-years of double-digit growth. Absolutely fantastic business. It's just been wildly expensive. And, you know, 130 times trailing earnings into the result um, for to justify the uh, multiples that that company's been on. Forward earnings, you know, 40, 50 times, I don't know what it is. Um, You've really got to be delivering well above what the market's hoping for because the market's priced that in. So was the result a stinker? No. Um, But... It's just it's just been too expensive. It's a fabulous yeah. business. I'd love to see it fall substantially more. Yeah. Um, I like the business, but I wouldn't be a buyer um, below right. the sort of low thirties. I think. Right. Okay. So uh, yes, around thirty bucks if we get a pullback, yeah. um, and you know that's what investors look for when there's disappointment in the market, but they're good solid. Uh, Absolutely. You've just companies. got to be patient. Yeah. You've got to do your homework, and you've just got to be patient because. Yeah. Usually every year you get something happens. Yep. It might be something from the company. Yep. More likely it's an overall global sentiment thing because share prices are only sentiment. Yep. And, uh, and you know, the whole market comes down. You rub your hands with glee and say thank you yep. very much. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Andrew, what do you think about yeah, it? I think, yeah, I think James is bang on. It's a magic business. It was just overpriced and 
this is, I think, from memory, the first time they've actually disappointed leading into a result. And what I mean by disappointed is it was a great result. It was just the market expectations had got ahead of itself, and that's why it just fell in a heap on the open. Uh, I guess, and as you know, Koshi won a multiple bellwethers, uh, people internally selling shares, so the chair selling 18% of his holdings over the last 12 months was a bit of an amber flashing light for me. Consensus is around thirty-five bucks. I'm, I'm with James. If you could get, if you could sort of snabble it in the low to mid thirties, uh, I'd be all over it. I have to say though that my preference would continue to be Altium. I mean, if you look at Altium, they've returned fifty-nine percent per annum over the last five years. Um, you know, they're a, an equally strong business as well. So, you know, point for point today, I'd probably buy Altium. But if um, Appen was to come under further pressure, because it is a great business. Another 10, 15 percent. I'd certainly be interested as well. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that so, suggestion, Catherine, and um, some good advice there from both James and Andrew. Andrew, Tom wants a view on Imagine Biosystems. Um, they're developing non-radioactive diagnostic imaging, uh, particularly in this cancer and breast cancer area. They're undergoing phase one studies in Australia for its. Um, MagSense uh, imaging technology, which is very much around breast cancer. Um, great technology and, and, and knowledge behind the company. Uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of this one. And as I've said to you previously, I really like doing the call, apart from you know your witty commentary and my uh, guests <laughs> having a bit of a go at me occasionally, James. Um, but one of the other things is you come across companies that you may not have popped up on the radar. Um, and, you know, there's, what, 2,600 companies on the ASX. You can't be across all of them. This one's a 75 million one. The one that I really, the, the thing I really like about this is the actual technology itself, hmm. where if, if I understand it correctly, it's sort of around this nanotechnology. So in, in essence, it's, it's magnetic nanoparticles are actually sort of uh, coated with the tumour targeting antibodies to try and find the tumour. Uh, and it's low radiation stuff. So it's really exciting technology. Uh, and obviously shareholders think so too, because they've just gone out and raised a bucket load of money. Uh, they've uh, now got about $10 million in the bank. So from on current run rate, that means they've got about two and a half years worth of cash in the bank, which is really important. They're only doing phase one trials at the moment. So it's pretty early in the piece. But it's a bit like uh, last time you and I were talking around a lot of these small companies and saying there's a lot of interest, a lot of excitement in some of them. I think this is one of them. No earnings of any substance at the moment, but what they're doing is really interesting and it's definitely one I'd keep an eye on. I wouldn't buy it at the moment, but watching it very closely because the stuff they're doing, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, some of the smaller companies, there are great stories in them. It's just uh, James, where they are on the development cycle, isn't it? And Absolutely. picking the right time. <laughs> Absolutely. Andrew mentioned no earnings. They've got no revenue. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, it, it's. I'm going to sit on the fence with this one, I'm afraid. Um, it's fantastic what they're trying to do. Whether they can do it and commercialise it is a whole other matter. Um, ho I hope they do. Um, it's it's a punt. It's, yeah. a, it's a punt. You, For the sake of humanity, you really hope it all works. Yeah. But... Um, you know, from an, an investment case, I couldn't make out a case for it. Yep. Um, if I was going to have a punt in that broader sector, I like 4D Medical that have recently listed. Um, they're doing um, four-dimensional scanning for lungs. Yep. Massive global market. The people behind it, uh, the people behind companies like Primedicus, mm. um, you know, fantastic track record. They've got all their uh, approvals, FDA and similar around the world. 
Um, again, no earnings, no um, you know, no sight of earnings, but um, I just ha I'd happen to know that one a little bit better. If I was going to have a punt, um, you know, I I'd want to know more about this particular yeah. business. Excuse me, and the people behind it. Yeah. I can't say don't do it because if it's one of those things that you know they make it work, fantastic, happy yeah. days, Tom. Um, but from an investment point of view, I couldn't make out a case yep. for it. Okay, but um, you know, watch to see how it goes. One of those really interesting businesses. Uh, Camille um, James wants a view on Nine Entertainment, um, the um, Fairfax Media Group, the, the Channel Nine TV Group, and um, and Domain. They have an interest in. They reported uh, this morning as well, five hundred ninety million dollar loss. Hugh Marks. Managing Director of Nine Entertainment will be joining us on Ausbiz a little later this afternoon around two o'clock. Um, they uh, basically um, a lot of the losses because of a big write down in um, in the value of uh, of the Nine Network domain and also digital as well. Um, if you take out um, sort of take out those significant items, um, uh, profit fell seventeen percent. To around 156 million. Uh, what do you think of nine? I don't really like it. Um, there's probably a bit of value there on the on the share price, but it's a the main business, which is the television and the uh, Fairfax newspapers, has got cyclical and structural headwinds that yeah. aren't going to go away. So um, you talk about taking write downs. The sector has had write down after write down after write yeah. down for probably a couple of decades yeah. now. It's not, not just nine, seven West has done absolutely. everybody. Yep. And, yep. And, and it's going to continue. So to buy this business, you're really looking at Domain, which is, yep. you know, they've got 60% of Domain. It's quite a good business, but realestate.com's probably a better business. They've got Stan, which, you know, is okay, one of, the, one of the streaming mm -hmm. channels. Yep. But again, they're a me too player behind, uh, behind Netflix. You've also yep. got Disney's channel, um, Amazon, Apple, Apple, Apple you know, there's a lot of competition for people's subscription dollar. I just, I can't get enthusiastic about it. Okay. Andrew? I don't like it when James hedges his bets. I think he just needs to give us a view. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm with James. It's a little bit underwhelming. Um, I mean, again, I look at Peter Costello as the chair. He's paid 340000 a year and he owns $140,000 worth of shares. I mean, come on, Pete, seriously. Didn't we pay you enough as treasurer? You can put your hand in your pocket and buy a few more, surely. Um, it's trading at around 14 times earnings. It's certainly not a moat business by any stretch of the imagination. Profit margins are only 8%. I guess on the positive side, COVID perversely has seen a big uplift in people watching the news again. I think we went through a period of time where people weren't watching the news, so there's been some engagement from there. But for all the reasons that James says, I'm, I'm a no. Thanks, okay. but no thanks. Okay. Andrew brings up a really good point about um, Peter Costello's remuneration. And it's one of the least looked at parts of the annual report, but it's one of the most um, telling in about in how a company operates. Okay. You don't get in a founder-led or founder mentality company these massive pay packets with uh, very generous incentive schemes with sort of dubious hurdles. It's really, really important. And yep. if you've got a sense that any company is being run for management and not the shareholders, I'm not saying that's specifically the case with Nine, yep. but, with, um, but, but with any company, 
it's so important and and uh, Andrew mentioned earlier uh, one of the companies we're talking about directors selling um, you know these are the th sort of things that retail shareholders should be keeping a really close mm. look on because um, <coughs> it's a very big bellwether for how a company's going to go uh, yeah. both in terms of what they're going to report but also in their strategy for how they're going to run the business in the long yeah. term yeah and for a lot of founders when they uh, if they're start starting to sell, they're even thinking <laughs> the price is a bit overblown and it can be an indication when they start to get out, maybe you need to start taking some profits too. Um, all right, Camille, thank you for that. Um, Anna, Andrew wants a uh, view on Austal, the uh, uh, Australian global shipbuilding company, uh, basically in the, in the defence industry, uh, uh, um, uh, builds, designs, constructs defence and commercial vehicles. Uh, they announced a couple of days ago, net profit climbed 45%, uh, revenue uh, up 13%. And they're saying that, that defence purchases is really insulating them against, against COVID. And I suppose as America or Australia muscles up against China, uh, defence spending could, could be a good thing for them. Oh, you know, one of the things that you're looking for as an investor, what are some of the trends or mega trends? And as you just said, certainly defense spending, be it either cyber security or even just, as you said, straight defense spending is obviously going up. So that's a, a big positive for ASB. Uh, they recently got $50 million from the U.S. Navy, uh, sorry, from the U.S. government. Uh, and they're a big customer or the U.S. Navy rather is a big customer of theirs. But it's not just defense. Uh, obviously, the Australian government through the Customs uh, and Border Force also buy boats. Um, they recently had an order um, from uh, from Denmark for some ferries. So it's a good little business. Not that little, it's about $1.3 billion. Their share price, well, total returns up about 17% over the last five years. And again, if you remember the benchmark we were looking at, you look at the broader market, the broader market has returned 7% per annum. So if you stuck the money in the market, you would have got 7%. You stuck it in Austral five years ago, you would have got 17% per annum. The PE is pretty undemanding at 14 times and it's trading well below consensus. So I think it ticks the thematic box, it ticks the uh, financially okay box and certainly pricing is okay. So yeah, look, I wouldn't mind this one, Koshi. Yep, James? Yeah, it's okay. It, it, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't beat the table about it. Yeah. Um, Commercial uh, vessels, ferries, uh, naval vehicles, you both uh, vessels you both mentioned earlier. The nature of that sort of business is you get very lumpy revenue and therefore very lumpy earnings. And it's difficult in a business like that to smooth them out. It's provided reasonable enough growth over time. Return on equities only just above 10% uh, for the first time in possibly forever, but certainly, I don't know, in six years, um, which is, you know, no. it's okay. Yeah. Um, I quite like it. As Andrew said, valuation is undemanding. If you're in it and um, prepared to put up with volatility of, of earnings, and there's certainly some, you know, very, very uh, lumpy uh, revenue and, and earnings profile in this company, then, then you know, it's fine. Yeah. But it's Hold not one that I'll be thumping the table about. And buying about. Okay. All right, our uh, fifth stock um, is being suggested by Lachlan James, Metcash. Uh, it's the big um, uh, marketing distribution business in the, in the food business. Um, 
basically um, owns IGA, Mitre uh, 10, Home Timber and Hardware. Um, all your IGA stores come under this umbrella. A lot of them are franchises, uh, but they get supplied by, by Metcash. Uh, Woolworths result out today. Um, I thought supermarkets were going great guns in the pandemic, but <laughs> down 56%. So what, yeah. do you, what, do you, what do you think of Metcash? It's done really well in a really difficult and competitive space. Yeah. Um, they're more of a niche yeah. uh, than a market leader. You know, yeah. the IGA is your local convenience for most people. If you're in regional areas, it's it's often the only supermarket. Yeah. Um, Mitre 10's a good enough business, but it's not as good as Bunnings. Um, look, you know, they've done quite well. They haven't had uh, much growth over the long term, but they haven't gone backwards either. Return on equity in the mid-teens is, is quite good. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit expensive. Uh, the whole food sector is a very crowded trade at the moment. Yep. Um, yeah, again, I'm it's, it's not inspired. I find it, I, I'm not inspired. I'm not negative, but right. Yeah, you know. better options elsewhere. Yeah. Andrew. Yeah, I mean, all of what James said. Plus, I look at the margin. So you look at the margins of Woolies, and I haven't looked at today's result, but prior to today's result, you know, Woolies' margin is 2.77%, Coles is 2.47%, and uh, Metcash's is only 1.47%. Uh-huh. So, and to me, that's a function of size. That you know, those other two companies have got great economies of scale. I mean. They're not small, 1,400 IGAs and 12,000 hotels and restaurants as clients. I mean, we're not exactly talking a small company with $3 billion market cap. But when you're competing against the behemoths like Woolies and Coles, as you can see, margin matters. And the margin is not even close. Performance of the shares has actually been all right. Again, remembering my seven years, uh, 7% for the share market over the last five years, they've actually done 26% per annum for the last mm. five years. But off a very low base, I'm with James... You know, it's sort of, it's okay. You know, will you do yourself any damage by owning it? No, but are there other areas where you could perhaps get a bit more zing? Yeah. Uh, yes, so Metcash is okay. okay. Andrew, you make a really good point about margins. Um, this is, uh, uh, the Australian market has had the fattest supermarket margins in the world mm. up, up to a few years ago. The rise of Aldi, um, Amazon selling more and more consumer type, um, <coughs> grocery type products. Yep. I just think margins are under unrelenting pressure in the whole sector. And will get worse. And will get worse. Right. It, it's not going to back off. You're not, I'm not for a moment suggesting that you come back in five years' time and your local Coles, Woolies, IGAs bought it up. It's not going to be the case. But mm. the earnings profile is going to be substantially different. So okay. um, I just think there are better sectors to be in. All right. Tough times. All right. That's our first five stocks. Let's do a bit of a recap. Afterpay. After their results today, uh, sky high share price, $90. Really admire what they've, they've done, but uh, really expensive, so a no. Um, Appen, good company. If you can buy it in the, the low $30 mark, have a look at it. Uh, Altium uh, for Andrew is, um, is a good alternative there as well. Uh, imagine um, a stock that none of us have, have really followed. Um, Andrew's going to going to watch it further. Um, James likes 4D Medical. If you want to get into that space, uh, a company in a similar position with uh, with really good management. Uh, Nine and O Ostel. Uh, Andrew quite likes a no from uh, from James and Metcash a no as well. Hey, we've uh, 
uh, here on the call. We've been sort of tracking our own portfolio since the 1st of July. All the stocks that get two thumbs up from our two experts go into the portfolio. Uh, in other words, unanimous buy. So let's get a check on how it's been performing on a weekly basis. It's up 1.5%, 3.5% for the month. And since the 1st of July, up 10.35%. Now, take a look at some of the stocks that have been recently added by our experts being unanimous on them. Uh, we've had Aristocrat Leisure, Arena REIT, Fortescue, Zip, Physical Gold. And um, if one of the portfolio um, comes back onto the call and it doesn't maintain a unanimous buy, it gets dropped out. And that happened to, uh, to Auckland Airport yesterday. You can check all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio and we'll be updating it each day. Now, uh, quick programming note, hot off the heels of the company's full results and a capital raise. We'll be talking live to Flexi Group Chief Executive Rebecca James. That's uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern right here after Ausbiz. Hugh Marks from 9 is coming up at about 2 p.m. here on Ausbiz as well. All right, let's start uh, getting to the second half of the stocks that you've suggested and our sixth stock comes from Roshan. Uh, Nitro Software, Andrew, which is a, a software company um, with its, um, if you like, a, a productivity uh, suite of, uh, of tools providing integrated PDF productivity e-signature tools, a bit like DocuSign. Um, it's there as well and uh, is really targeted to that, that corporate area. Um, what do you think of Nitro? I, I think the business itself looks really interesting and I'm sure James would agree, especially at the moment when we're dealing with clients and we're all locked up, uh, e-signatures are becoming even more important. So they're certainly in the right space. Perversely, COVID's been really good for them, if I can put it so delicately. It's actually, you know, that, that sort of right type of business. Uh, I like the fact that um, a third of their business is now subscription-based, and that is increasing rapidly. Uh, around 88% of people who are customers of theirs renew. They've got customers like uh, Royal Bank of Scotland, BP, Exxon, General Electric. Uh, so they've got good quality clients. They're shifting the business initially away, which was just sort of selling a licence, and now moving into uh, that sort of subscription space, similar to what Microsoft, for a number of years, mm. Microsoft, you just went and bought Office off the shelf. Now you pay 20 bucks or whatever it is a month and you have access to Word, Excel, et cetera. Exactly the same model, but using PDF and e-signature tools and people who sign up for it are continuing to sign up. So I like it. Not many people follow it. Only one broker who follows it, who I'm guessing is the people who floated it. They've got a valuation of $1.80 relative to the share price at the moment. But yeah, I look, I, I think it's a right business at the right time. I would probably, again, like to see it to come off a little bit, but overall, interesting business. Okay, so if it gets back to that broker guidance under two bucks, worth looking at. Um, James, Absolutely. only been a recent float, hasn't it? Um, yep. Like and last done, year. Done very well since it listed. Yep. I don't know what I can add, add to what Andrew said. Yep. I think he's absolutely hit the nail on the head. Huge tailwinds behind it. Um, they're not profitable. They don't have any history of um, of, uh, of of revenue and, and certainly not earnings. But they've met or exceeded every measure on their prospectus, which is a really good sign. Mm. I just don't know how you value it. I, yeah. I really don't. I, yeah. I um, 
you know, they're in, a, they're big, in the right big space, clients, which gives them credibility absolutely. as well. Yep. So something to watch going forward. All right. Um, James Blake wants a view on Morningstar Global Technology ETF. Lots of tech, uh, technology ETFs out there in the market. What do you think of this one? It's a great way to get a really broad exposure to a bunch of different tech stocks. Yep. Um, it, it's, it's an easy, it's traded on the ASX. You're not having to look into uh, the individual characteristics of each of the companies. Um, so it's, it's, it's index, um, it, it, it's just tracking the index basically. Yep. ETFs are a fantastic way to play a particular sector. Um, you know, it's there's global, massive global tailwinds in tech that, that's yep. not going to um, that's, that's not going to dissipate. I, t- I tried to find out what its portfolio was, and, so, and it's not the it's not the massive usual big tech companies that sort of exactly the point second that I was, tier. Is that's it? exactly the point that I was going to make. There's a couple of names in the top ten holdings that I sort of yeah. recognise. We'd all recognise, but um, but it's not. The you know the really big the Facebooks right. and Googles so and Microsofts and all that yeah. so it's not the fangs. Um, it's still done quite well, but I yeah. note that it's underperformed the uh, Nasdaq uh, ETF. Ah. So um, you know if you if you invest in it, I think you'll probably do well with tech. But um, it, it, I. You know, if you'd gone back in time, you would have done well, but you yeah. would have done better in NASDAQ. Yeah. You know, when my kiddies were born, I, uh, I put some money in some Australian listed investment companies for them and reinvested the dividends. They've done quite well over time. And, yeah. you know, the power of compounding returns, you know, it's been quite good. Yeah. In hindsight, I would have done it so much better for them if I'd put them in these types of ETFs. This one wasn't around when they were born, but, uh, you know, put it all into into a NASDAQ tracking ETF would have done a hell of a lot better yep, yep. than, uh, you know, the sort of industrial stodgy companies in Australia. <laughs> yep. um, so, yeah, look, I'm not negative on it, but... Yep. Um, but Are there uh, better ones out there, though? If it if it hasn't tracked the NASDAQ ETF... I'd prefer QQQ, yeah. which is the NASDAQ. Okay. All right. Uh, Andrew? Yeah, uh, as you know, Koshi, I love my ETFs, so uh, I was pleased when I saw this one. Uh, just a just a quick sort of delineation. If we're talking about the Nasdaq one, you could actually buy like a passive one that just tracks the Nasdaq. Uh, whereas this one, uh, tech actually is actively managed, so it's sort of you know applying rules and trying to sort of pick the eyes out of it, so to speak. So you're paying uh, 45 basis points, 0.45 percent per annum. It's done all right. I mean, it's up 25% per annum for the last three years. I mean, it's actually the best performing one out of all these ones we've just been talking about. So it hasn't been dreadful. But as James says, you could have equally just bought NDQ, which is a, the beta shares uh, NASDAQ one, which is a passively managed one and actually done better. Uh, they do have a couple of recognisable names in there like Salesforce and Broadcom. Um, but Would this be my preferred one in the tech space? No, Um, I actually am quite partial to Asia. And I think you had Adam O'Connor from BetaShares on uh, last week talking about that. So in essence, as the name suggests, it buys Asian technology companies. Uh, It's up about 56% for the year, which sounds a bit scary. But if you have a look at the companies they've got in there, they've got like uh, Taiwan Semiconductor, Alibaba, Tencent, TD.com. And Asian technology companies are trading at about a 30% discount relative to their NASDAQ peers. Oh. So if you're looking for that tech bias, 
Uh, I actually quite like Asia, understanding that it's a very narrow focus. If you're looking for that broader passive exposure, then you do, as James said, QQQ or NDQ or whatever the case may be. All right. So so a good ETF, but there are probably better ones out there for, for you to have a look at because it's it's such a, a diverse market now in ETFs. And as Andrew was saying, it's a great way for, um, uh, for new investors to uh, um, or for those who want a sector view on um, uh, in their portfolio to actually look at low low management fees are one of the attractions. Um, Andrew Jacinta wants a view on Senex Energy, um, oil producer in the Cooper Basin. Um, revenue up 28%, I think, on the, on the latest results, but uh, profit after tax, um, after tax down. Yeah, just uh, down the road from me. Uh, well, four hours. So, uh, so thanks. <laughs> In me. Queensland, that's down. That's why I've been around the corner. Oh, it's regional Queensland, you know, it's just down the road. I mean, I've got clients who drive their kids to the bus to go to school and it's 90 minutes each way just to oh. get the kids to the bus stop, never mind then getting them to school. So uh, four hours down the road. Anyway, uh, look, don't mind it. Uh, it's, a, it's a good business. As you said, they've got the Cooper Oil, which hasn't been performing so well, and we'll talk about oil in a second, but... Certainly the gas space with the Surat Basin is actually going pretty well for them. That's the down the road bit, as opposed to the Cooper Basin, South Australia. Uh, it's up 19% over the last five years, but as your chart just shows there, oil has not been a happy little place at all for investors. In fact, the oil uh, GICS sector on the ASX is down about 37% this year. So certainly they've got some pretty big headwinds there. Uh, they're sitting on about $80 million in cash. The debt's pretty manageable, about 40-odd million. Uh, the chair and CEO, to James's point before, uh, they're both buying shares. And mm. again, are their interests aligned with yours? Well, if they're in their buying shares, you'd have to think their interests are aligned with yours. So certainly, uh, despite the headwinds that oil is facing, they're increasing production on the gas side. They've got plenty of dollars in the bank. Management's backing them by buying it, and they're a Queenslander. So get on it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I buy from Andrew. What about you, James? No, not for me. This is a company that used oh, to be profitable. Um, they've produced one profit only in the last five or six years, and that was skin of their teeth last year. Serial raiser of capital. Um, difficult time in the sector. Oil sector does ebb and flow. You know, how many times have we seen peak oil and, um, you know, glut oil and all this sort of thing? And, um, you know, at the moment, it's pretty miserable. It will turn. If I wanted to play the oil sector, I'd be looking at something with a lot. I'd have a lot more confidence are going to produce right. uh, earnings. So, you know, you're looking at the majors, the Santos's, Woodside's, oil searches. Um, yeah, not for me. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for that suggestion, Jacinda. Um, James, Gina wants a view on Brickworks. Uh, yes, they're Australia's largest uh, brick manufacturer, uh, but they're also into property development. They're, they're like they're a brick manufacturer slash investment company, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And their big investment, of course, is in Sol Pats. Yep. They own 40% of Sol Pats. Sol Pats own 48% of them, so it's very sort of incestuous. Uh, talking about being an Australian brick manufacturer, they've moved into the US as well, um, and they're very confident on uh, on that business succeeding. Um, this is a fabulous business that's been a wonderful performer for, well, not decades, generations. Them, them and, and Sol Pats. In terms of management, 
the high quality, conservative, uh, completely trustworthy people yeah. behind uh, behind this stable. But still with a bit of an entrepreneurial oh, and, and still bent to absolutely them. Uh, uh, conservative, yeah. trust them, yep. but and I have a bit of they are entrepreneurial, ab- absolutely. Yep. Uh, but look, if you uh, talking before about buying. LICs or ETFs for, for kids, you know, if I'd yeah. put them that money into uh, into Brickworks and or Souls, you know, would have been a fantastic investment and still is. Yeah. I, I, I like it a lot. Um, it's um, There's huge tailwinds in the US building sector. The, the home buildings are absolutely on fire in the US. Yeah. Um, the government in, I think it's Pennsylvania, so much more supportive than the uh, red tape and obfuscation they get from Australian uh, governments. Yeah. I, I, I like it a lot, Jacinta. I, um, I, uh, I, at at $19, $18? Yeah, look, it's not a bargain. Yeah. Um, it's not a bargain. And if you put your money in for the long term, you're going to do really well. Right. In the short term, who knows when the valuation's yeah. a little bit stretched. Um, you know, obviously, any company you want to buy cheaper, yeah. um, it's not very often that you get absolute bargains like we did earlier in the year. But yep. um, high quality company, high quality management, okay. great long term growth, broad yep. investment, very high, comfortable. High praise. There you go, uh, Gina. Uh, Andrew? I like the fact that the Milner family is involved. And uh, as James was just talking about, you've got all that cross ownership with Sol Pats. Uh, you know, my favourite uh, Milner family saying the thicker the carpet, the thinner the dividend. Um, you know, like they are. Very, very, very cost focused. Um, right. So incredibly switched on operators. And again, you know, this whole theme today is around um, management and and uh, major shareholders' interests aligned with yours. Out of all these companies, you could not for a moment doubt the fact that the Milner's interests are very much aligned with yours. So from that point of view, 100% agree. A couple of sort of headwinds, in particular, that civil unrest in the US, that the company has actually specifically called that out as a bit of a challenge for them, obviously the pandemic. Um, but I like the fact that, I mean, the way I look at this one, Koshi, it, to me, this is almost like a little mini Wes Farmers is probably mm-hmm. how I'd describe this business, whereby, sure, there's an underlying businesses that support them, but they're really an investment business. Yeah, uh, a list of private equity business. <laughs> Yeah, and have done really well. I mean, the property uh, group, as an example, has just signed a 20-year deal with Amazon right. uh, out in the western suburbs of Sydney. So I uh, I quite like it. Am I as enthusiastic about James and getting on it now? Probably not. I look at consensus and say, look, consensus is about 18 bucks. But if I was sort of, you know, as James said, putting some money aside for my kids for the, the longer term, and I did the same as James. I bought Argo for my three girls because I had three weddings to pay for. Um, you know, equally so I could have bought Brickworks and be just as happy. Right. Okay. So so are you saying yes at $18 or no? Yes, but at 18 not now. Right. It's a bit, as I said, it's a bit okay. stretched. If you're going right. to put money in at the moment for so, long term, you'll do but really But if you both agree, really it goes well. into the calls portfolio. So if it's okay. unanimous, you're happy, Andrew? Sorry, what was that question? It go we it then goes into this little portfolio of unanimous yeses that we uh, we've been doing. So you're happy with it? Oh yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. You're not going to wake up no with problems. a company like this and find they've yeah. torched a lot of your capital. 
which is, just, you know, which is perfect. So you're protecting your downside for a start. That is number one yeah. in in, uh, in in having a good investment performance. Yep. yep. And in a portfolio, you need that element Absolutely. in there as well. You 100%. can you can have your buy now pay later's, but you need a foundation of these sorts of companies. All right. Our, our final stock, uh, Andrew, um, comes from Brendan Vortiv. Again, a, a company I wasn't that familiar with. A technology-based company used to be called Transaction Solutions, involved in operating ATMs and bill payment systems in India and also in the cybersecurity area as well, which they seem to have, um, have, have diverted to. Yeah, and again, as you said, um, interesting little business and I sort of underline, italicise bold little, I think it's about $38 million. So, you know, we're not talking uh, one of the larger ones, but yeah, certainly it looks like interesting business in particular in that cybersecurity space, uh, you know, focusing on banks and corporates, ATMs in, Indi ATMs in India. Um, there's certainly a value for that business. I think they're valuing at about seven to 10 million bucks. It's up 35% over the last five years. But, you know, to me, it's a bit like the second one that we spoke about, the, the biotech, it's a punt. You know, it's right. not an investment decision. It's a punt. There is actually earnings with this company. They are making a, a profit. But uh, I would just be a little bit cautious on this one. But it looks interesting. Uh, but could you buy others? Probably. Okay. Yeah, James? I'm pretty similar. Um, it, it, it is profitable now, which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, they had a 20 for one share consolidation, which, you know, always sort of uh, never really a good look, is right, it? No. <laughs> um, but, um, but, you know, it, it is profitable. It's in a good sector. I don't know what their competitive advantage is. I wouldn't buy it myself. Yep. Um, if you, uh, if Brendan knows something or think he knows something and, you know, wants to have a bit of a punt on it, um, then, you know, knock yourself out. I wouldn't put my own money in it, but right. uh, I'll watch with interest. Okay. All right, Brendan. Thank you for that suggestion. Just to recap our, uh, our final five stocks, uh, Nitro, a no from uh, James, uh, becomes interesting for Andrew at um, somewhere under two bucks. Um, the Morningstar Global Tech ETF, um, yep, really good ETF to be involved in, but there are better ones if you want to... Uh, um, focus on that tech area. Uh, Senex Energy, uh, round the corner from Andrew, so he likes it. Uh, a no from, uh, from James. Brickworks goes into our, our call portfolio because two yeses from uh, Brickworks, um, a proven performer, great management, uh, management that treats it like their own money, so, um, and has been a long-term performer and Vortive, I know, uh, a bit too small, uh, but but Brendan, interesting business, and uh, um, keep focused on it, keep watching it if you uh, know something about it. Uh, Andrew Whelan from uh, DP World Partners, good to see you, mate. You too, Koshi, thanks, James. Thank you for joining us, and James Rosenberg from Bayview's. Mate, thank you, good Pleasure. to see you. Good to see you, David, thank you. All right, uh, that's our show for today. Any stocks you'd like us to cover here on the call, Email the call at osbiz.com.au or you can tweet your suggestions through using the at osbiztv handle. And a reminder where to find all the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, just before we head to a short break, look, get the very latest from our team straight into your inbox every afternoon. Sign up for the COB, the stuff you need to know about 
the day in business, finance and startups. Uh, Nadine and Scuddy uh, discuss everything that's happened during the day. Subscribe at osbiz.co slash joint. We'll have it in your inbox by 5.30 p.m. every afternoon. And we'll speak live to Nine Entertainment Chief Executive Hugh Marks after the company full year results. That's from 2.30 p.m. Eastern here on Ausbiz. And if you're an investor looking for an opportunity in the startup community, don't forget the Startup Daily Show between two and three. Uh, they look at startups looking for capital and venture capitalism. Today, they're joined by Matt Taylor, who's raising capital via virtual for his company called Resme, which is a software platform for accommodation providers. That's all coming up on Ausbiz. Don't go away.